Hello, my name is Rowan David Oakes, and this special season of my natural history podcast, Trees A Crowd, is named Oaks on Oaks and the other 56-ish native trees. And for a whole host of reasons only known to me, I've decided to tie all of my thoughts on this week's tree together by looking at names and naming. Right, as usual, to kick us off with a cheeky little jingle, here's a singer who was named Folk Singer of the Year 2014 by the BBC and given a stonking middle name by her parents. Here's Arabella Arwen Hardy. Up the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. This week, tree number five. Spindle. Spindle. Euonymus europaeus. As you're hopefully all aware, we have the Swedish botanist Carl Linnaeus and a few others to thank for the way we name species. He is the father of taxonomy. Carl, who often referred to himself in the Latin Carolus, is credited with having formalised the system of binomial nomenclature and was even given a nickname in that form, Princeps Botanicorum, meaning the Prince of Botanists. Anyway... I single him out for this week's tree as he went on the record to say that the spindle, or Euonymus europaeus as he called it, makes the very best artist's charcoal. In fact, spindle's French name, le fusain, is given as the general name in French for all charcoal, even when it's made out of willow, which we'll get onto next episode. We in England know the spindle as the spindle supposedly because of the Dutch and because of the artist William Turner. Now, Mr Turner said... I could never learn an English name for it. The Dutchmen call it in Netherland spilboom, that is, spindle tree, because they used to make spindles of it in that country. And me think it may be as well named in English, saying we have no other name. And so, as the tree lent itself to making spindles and the like, spindle was its name. But it could have been a whole load more exciting. The spindle has a whole host of colloquial folk names. Traditionally, the flowers were baked and used as a treatment for head lice, which meant it was called the louseberry. Its hard branches were used as cow prods, giving it the name gatter, coming from the old Anglo-Saxon words gad, meaning goad, and triau, meaning tree. It's also known as the butcher's prick tree, catrash, death alder, dogtooth berry, foul rush, pincushions, skyver timber, the list goes on, and its Linnaean name, Euonymus, comes from the Greek word for lucky, which is ironic, as according to folklore, a spindle tree flowering early was said to precede the plague. But no matter what you call it, the spindle is perhaps the most vibrant of all our native species. Dr Gabriel Hemery, tree champion and sylvologist, an awesome occupation title deriving from the Latin silver, meaning forest, which is also why Sylvanian families are also named as such, calls them Splashes of Indian Celebration, which alone flies a flag of exuberance among our native species. And he's not wrong. In autumn, a four-lobed, shocking pink capsule that looks like a piece of neon popcorn splits open to release seeds coated in a bright orange aril, which is then all set off by rich red and purple leaves. It is utterly bonkers, very un-British, and come autumn you cannot fail to be amazed by it. These colourful leaves, although toxic to us, are loved by aphids who often strip whole trees bare. These aphids in turn draw a load of predatory ladybirds, hoverflies, horseflies, St Mark's flies, which are named as they emerge on St Mark's Day in April the 25th. These insects then in turn draw predators from further up the food chain. So in one important aspect, the leaves of the spindle are fantastic for biodiversity. But 
and it's a timely, pertinent big but. During the winter, the spindle acts as a host for the now infamous black bean aphid, otherwise known as the beet leaf aphid. We are currently in a climate emergency. It's also known as the climate crisis, climate change, or the artist formerly known as global warming. But one of the many unwanted effects of this climate change is far milder winters. In this instance, far fewer frosts translates as a far greater number of beet leaf aphids failing to freeze to death over the winter. Once the winter is over, these aphids en masse leave their winter havens, such as our spindle, and seek out other nourishment. And what could be tastier than mankind's sweetest crop, the sugar beet? Now, unfortunately for the sugar beet, the aphids spread a kind of beet malaria called virus yellows, which decimates crop yields in some instances by as much as 80%. As such, to keep the numbers of aphids down, DEFRA, the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, in either their subjective wisdom or subjective idiocy, recently approved emergency application of insecticides that contain neonicotinoids. These neonics, as they're also known, were outlawed by the European Union for anything other than emergency use because of their lethal effect, not just upon the insects that destroy the farmers' crops, but also upon insects in general, and worryingly upon our pollinators. As such, this is at best a short-term solution and at worst making things a whole load worse for all concerned. Now I'm not saying we shouldn't support our farmers, we definitely should, we need to feed ourselves. But to feed ourselves we need our pollinators. We are living in a world where a third of the UK bee population has disappeared over the past decade. 50% of insects have vanished since 1970 and 41% of all insect species are now threatened with extinction. As fate would have it, this winter, and indeed much of this spring, has been bloody cold. So this year, although permitted, these neonics were not rolled out on the scale that some feared. But this may not be the case next year, or the year after that. What this shows us, however, is that we are continually at the whim of an increasingly unpredictable climate. And if the evolution of trees has shown us anything, erratic and unpredictable weather cycles do not lead to a long-term survival of any species, no matter what it calls itself. Ultimately, we need farmers, consumers, environmentalists and politicians all to work together for the sake of the bees, of the beets, the spindles, the aphids and indeed ourselves, whether you call yourself an environmentalist or even a climate denier. Right, that all said, that is my bit on the louseberry or whatever it was called, the death alder, spindle, that's it. Anyway, whatever it was called, next week I'm looking at the willows, the highly sexed swingers of the native British tree world. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Uploading the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the bridge.